The Raw Rugby Podcast. Hello and welcome to the very first episode of the Raw Rugby Podcast. I'm Brett McKay. You know the raw.com.au is Australia's biggest sporting debate and your home of the biggest and best rugby discussion kicking around. But now we're adding actual voices to that rugby discussion and we're really excited to bring it to you in podcast form every Wednesday on the Raw, plus wherever you get your podcasts. But while you know me from the site and quite possibly from ABC Sport, for those listening in Australia, this certainly isn't a one-voice affair. Joining me this and every week is everyone's favourite Texas-based South African rugby writer, wordsmith for the ages, and a man with a finger in more pies than he has fingers, Harry Jones. Hello, mate. How's it, Brett? Oh, or as I good. know you better, laid law. <laughs> well, one of the big topics tonight that we will cover is whether, in fact, I am former Scotland captain Greg Laidlaw. Uh, it's true that we've not been seen in the same room together, so you might be something. I've got a question for you, though, mate. Um, you've been in in America for, what, about 12 months now? Uh, you know, so the thing is, I know you're going to go with my accent. <laughs> where's, but, uh, it, where's it gone? Where's your my, my accent, accent gone? My accent is actually an uh, angel accent. I, I speak like an angel wherever <laughs> I am. It's it's uh, otherworldly. Don't even yeah. worry about it. Yeah, it comes and goes with quantities of beer. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> On the field this weekend, just gone. Wales fought hard to overcome a dogged Scotland in the second round of the Six Nations. France laid down a serious statement to beat Ireland, and England avoided another week of awkward headlines by thumping Italy. Closer to home, Super Rugby Pacific was dealt its first blow with a COVID nineteen outbreak within the Moana Pacifica squad, which uh, within the New Zealand teams bubble in the ski resort town of Queenstown, which forced the postponement of what was supposed to be the inaugural uh, match of the new format of Super Rugby Pacific against the Blues. It's given us a mountain of things to talk about. Mate, should we, should we get into it? Should we welcome our very first guest? Please, without further ado. The Raw Rugby Podcast. We're going to welcome a cavalcade of guests into the third chair on the Raw Rugby Podcast over the season. But to kick things off, to set the benchmark going forward, we've gone to one of our very own. Please welcome the author of the brilliant book, A World in Conflict, Global Battle for Rugby Supremacy, and a Monday staple on the raw.com.au with the rap column that we all know and love, Jeff Parks. Uh, good evening, gents. And uh, I must say, it's a heck of an honour considering you know some of the names that I know that are lining up to be on the show, you know, I know you've been contacted by Eddie Jones, uh, mm, Rasmus, yep. Erasmus, uh, Bill yep. Beaumont, uh, Richie McCaw too, I believe. Yeah. Um, so, you know, actually, I don't really know if I should feel humbled or or maybe just a little bit sad for you guys, you know, mm. that, that I'm the best you can come up with. And work <laughs> no, don't sell yourself short. Don't sell yourself short. And look, Harry doesn't know, but one of the main reasons that we got got Jeff involved was that he actually volunteered as soon as he heard the the besmirching of scrum halves last week in the teaser episode. We can't let that stand, Harry man. Hey, hey, we're very, we're very humbled that you're on here with us, Jeff. Uh, we were trying to get Richie McCall, but when he learned that it had a video feature, he said, no, sorry, I'm invisible. Look, I'll, I'll do my best, guys, because, you know, as long as there's questions about famous rugby players from the King Country, then I'm sure we'll be good. We're all good to go. Well, look, let's, let's, get, let's get straight into it. Uh, what, what have you both liked from the first two weekends of the Six Nations? What's, what's grabbed so far? 
well, home, home is home again. So 2021, there was no home. And the records were amazing on away, uh, away victories. This season, my preview was actually turning out to be exactly right. I said the French and the Irish on the top, English and Scottish in the middle, changing places. And then I think Wales is actually done. That one, that one win was it. And then Italy is uh, languishing. What do you think, Jeff? Uh, yeah, well, you know, I don't think we can fill a whole podcast talking about Italy. So we did not <laughs> turn our viewers away straight no. away. Um, yeah, look, I think I probably like what's uh, to come uh, more than what we've seen already. And, and what I mean by that is that France and Ireland are clearly the top elite sides, and uh, and, and that was a, and that was a ripping game on the weekend, just quietly. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And you know, it could have gone either way. And there's a bit of dispute about you know the pass on the uh, French try there, and, and well founded probably. Um, you know, and you've got Italy who are basically, you know, to use a technical term, shit ass, and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and somewhere in between, we've got Wales and Scotland, as as Harry suggests. So the intriguing one for me is figuring out where England fits. And, and they've still got France and Ireland to play. So really, there's this interesting situation where England can potentially do something heroic. Uh, or if it goes the other way, then I guess Eddie Jones will come under the intense pressure. And, mm-hmm. you know, we might even see another lashing from Harry Jones that we saw last week. Yeah, so I renamed England Excuse Land. Uh, they're grumpy and bumpy, they're sour, they're embittered, but as Jeff suggests, that makes them dangerous. Mm. And I think by deferalizing themselves, finally, they are finding you know a Slade-Smith a combination that I think may be a little bit better. Um, Mauro Toji is always better at six instead of uh, pretending to be a lock. And uh, the, the major problem, though, and we'll come back to nines because you guys love nines, is who is in England's 21? Uh, and maybe that mm. 21 should be the nine because I don't know about you, but Ben Young's service, it reminds me of Crab Cronier. So I think that's what's holding them back. I think Marcus Smith could play, play very nicely off uh, a real nine service. So he needs some flatter service, doesn't he? Did, did you mean Crab Cronier as in Ross Cronier? Yeah, as he's the like- Crab. Harbour Bridge, Ross Cronier. Never has a player gotten more out of uh, out of less. <laughs> yeah, look, it's an it's an interesting point because I mean, certainly after a thirty three nil scoreline, the the rave reviews were there for Marcus Smith again, weren't they? But I mean, what do you what do you get out of a, a, a of an Italy win? He's he's going to be as good as next game, isn't he? Yeah, exactly, and uh, and you know we don't want to slag off Italy at every opportunity, but it's hard not to, unfortunately. But, <laughs> um, yeah, his test will come, uh, France and Ireland, obviously. Uh, one good thing for him is that he'll have um, uh, Tuolungi back, and that offers a lot more uh, threat in the midfield. Uh, England do well with him, mm. uh, you know, when he's fit and when he's on the field. So, um, yeah, look. I still think they can go either way. And as well as documented as, as their problems are that Harry listed in that most recent article, um, I think it's a little bit soon to be writing them off. And, yeah. um, you know, they're a good shot. Now, speaking of teams that we are writing up, like the French, I I still see them ready to self-destruct at any point. I mean... But, but that's they, the French way, isn't it? Yeah, but I mean, they're like I've described them in the in the past. They're a little paradise full of people who think they're in hell. 
And so you know, the, the crowd can turn them. Uh, I do, I do like that they defy law. You know, I think uh, Greg Aldrit is the, is the new invisible cloak guy. He's inherited the, the cloak from McCall. Um, and he spoils breakdowns like nobody else, but they switch off. And I don't know what Jeff thinks about this, but I think the French switch off in a way that will worry their coach going to World Cup. They have to bury teams. Ireland was there for the taking and boom, boom, two tries. Soft. And, and probably no better example of a switch off than, than Mac Hansen's try from the, from the restart. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And uh, what a great Cam- try that was. And you can see on the Mac Hansen. Yeah, and you, you can see on the replay that there's forwards, uh, including the, the captain that was out here last year, um, Jelanche. Jelanche. You know, yeah. they're all standing around uh, looking at each other and pointing the finger, and and that really is the French way too. But, look, I do, I do sense there's a, a bit more resolve in the side. There's certainly a lot more depth uh, than they've had in other years. And yeah. you know, so they've got this ability mm. to replace players. And, and, you know, in a way, I kind of sort of, think that it would be good if they if they do win this year and then they have another dominant Six Nations next year. I think that would put intolerable pressure on them going into the World Cup, the opening match against New Zealand. If, if they're going <laughs> from in front, uh, you know, I'm not sure they can handle that. I think they're more mm. dangerous when, you know, everyone's expecting them to be flaky. Yeah, no doubt. I like uh, it. Jeff's playing. Jeff's playing the mind games. He's trying to, already. Yeah, he's trying right. to claiming the underdog status for for New Zealand already. Look, one, one of the big talking points from the weekend was uh, was that late high tackle in in the Wales Scotland game. Um, I'm going to play you guys um, a clip here right now. Referring to your check, check, mate. I did see a potential high tackle in that collision. I'm not sure if that's what they're looking at. Potential high tackle from Red Six. Yeah, it was. Oh, it's Team Basham on Sam Skinner, and I think Basham's in trouble here. Brett, just can you determine where the initial point of contact is, mate? Yeah, so it starts on the arm, and then it's to the head. Okay. Uh, I've got to be honest, I'm not seeing that, but mine isn't the opinion that counts. Okay, great. So there is head contact. We do have foul play. There's not a lot of force to the head because initial contact's here and then it comes up. The player is looking to grasp, mate, so I'm just going to go for a penalty five metres out against Red Six. I agree. Okay. Wow. Chain Basham. Well, the officiating party absolutely clear. Not an awful lot of force. The first contact is with the arm. He's coming with the grass there. I've seen that with the grass. I have to tell you, I'm looking along the lines of the commentators here in the Principality Stadium. And there are a lot of ex-internationals, along with Philippa, all shaking their heads, wondering how that decision was reached. So that's obviously the commentary um, from the uh, from the game on the weekend. It was all, all up. That sequence was about two and a half minutes. I've, I've obviously edited it down there to that, that minute that we've just heard. Is the game still making a rod for its back regarding high tackles and, and you know if if the if the commentators and we have this conversation every time it seems if the commentators and a line of commentators at a stadium are shaking their heads that they couldn't see what looked to be pretty obvious head head contact are we still getting it wrong i think yeah we need to differentiate between the you know the concussion issue and the high tackle issue so yeah, i think definitely you know the battle for the understanding around dangers of head injury and the need to act to minimise that. I think that's been won, and, or it's close to being won, and 
So the issue is more, you know, everyone understands about concussion now. And so the issue is more around the actions that support this. And one of the visible aspects is, is high contact resulting in foul play. And so this is where things get a bit murkier and inconsistent. And, um, you know, because we're not dealing with absolutes and every situation is different. And in the heat of a match, it's really difficult for the officials to determine exactly where contact's made. And then they get tied up in this you know, applying mitigating factors and so on. So, and and you know, things so like things the, like force. Yeah, exactly. And there's a high, medium, or low force. And and it's all very hard when you just put on the spot. And so we've got this bash and tackle and uh, the referee ruled one way. And as you say, Brett, you know, everyone's watching thinking, well, I'm not sure that's right. And we saw the same thing with Yako Paper and a match a couple of weeks ago. And then last year we saw the opposite, Ben O'Keefe sending... Uh, Corin Betty off mm. uh, when, you know, everyone pretty much thought, including O'Keefe, I might say, that, you know, he probably didn't deserve that. And he only did it because he got talked around by the other officials. So, so it is really messy. The whole process is messy and we're going to continue to get these inconsistencies. So uh, if I can just finish on that, what I'm really saying is that as long as we expect uh, the referees to be policemen and judge and jury on the field. Mm. Uh, we're going to continue to get these uh, inconsistent results. And so I think there's a better system out there somewhere and, and it involves uh, less absolutism on the field mm. and, uh, and a far more heavy-handed judiciary outcomes for players oh. who are found guilty. And that really the nub of it. You know, don't so even... I don't want to see guys, you know, struggling whether it's a yellow or a red on the field when we can't really see where the point of contact is. Let's if we're, if, let's establish that later and then put the guy out for eight weeks and yeah. or ten weeks and, 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 and none of this none, none of this fifty percent yeah none of this fifty percent discount you know, for, for clean his records. mother gave to the Salvation Army and that yeah. gets him two weeks off. It's it, just nonsense. It does my head in every time that that we're still giving out 50% discounts for clean records, what, seven, eight years after after the, the, the crackdown on, on high contact came in? It, it doesn't make any sense. Surely at this point we can just go, right, that's it. Yes, you know, discounts for early plea by all means, but not 50%. And I'm going to take yeah, no, it's rubbish. I'm going to take a lot of convincing that, that that's the right way to go. Look, no, I've got no doubt that we will be talking about high tackles again uh, on the podcast through the, the course of the, of course of the year. But it's look, it's it's an early benchmark, and, and as I say, I'm sure we'll come back to it. But I, I have to respond to the high tackle because World Rugby has given me a statement to read. I'm under oh, some sort of instructive. You're under, uh, under contractual obligations, aren't you, to read this? Uh, as a member of both the defence team and the attack team in the current Brasi <laughs> Erasmus being sanctioned, I wish to say that Nick Berry is a beneficent and wise referee, a good man, and I am I very... Just, if, I might, if I might just say, jump in for uh, listeners, if you, if you ever want to look up in a dictionary, the meaning of conflict of interest. Yeah, it yeah. just got Harry Jones written <laughs> yeah. under it. When I, when I said in the intro that this is a man that has more fingers in pies than he has fingers, that's because he literally sent invoices to both sides of the Rassi Erasmus case. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Nick, Nick, and Nick was right. He's always right. Uh, and and <laughs> the Welsh dragon is extinct because it blows hot and cold. That's all I'm going to say. I'll move on. <laughs> Oh, this is worth it already. Um, <laughs> oh, so true, so true. So, yes, Super Rugby Pacific. I was, I was saying, how, how much of a blow is it? Is it 
having to postpone the season opening game. It's it's not the way a new competition would want to start, is it, Jeff? No, it's not. But you know, it's the world we live in, isn't it? And mm. I see it more as a disappointment, and it's an inconvenience, obviously. But you know, it's not terminal, and and we've seen it with other sports having to postpone matches and work around it, and. You know, let's face it, and particularly over in New Zealand, it's something we're going to going to see yeah. more of, and we just have to get used to it. I, I made the point on the site um, uh, on Tuesday that that you know New Zealand is effectively at the point now that Sydney and Melbourne were you know mid December before Christmas. So yeah, things are almost certainly going to get a little bit worse over there before they get better. And I suppose kudos to New Zealand rugby for for moving pretty quickly to get the six teams down to Queenstown, and, and let's hope. You know the isolation down there works. It's 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 good. Yeah, well, be- hopefully they can minimise it. And yeah. and uh, what we don't want to see is obviously the um, this nonsense idea about uncontested scrums. No, and, and like I feel like that got overblown a bit too. Don't Absolutely. don't you? Like it was a it was a th- yeah. it was a thought bubble, and it's like it's a legitimate thought, but it was never a serious concern. No, no are, there, are there contested scrums in Australia at all? <laughs> it's funny we were talking to James Slipper last week as as this idea came up and I said what do you think of uncontested scrums and he says well it's going to make my job a lot easier <laughs> I think he was actually quite looking forward to the idea so look it's 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 an interesting one it's going to be a blow no doubt but you know there will be some impact in Australia and, and I mm. think that's potentially going to happen with the force so uh, we've yeah. already seen a couple of franchises, uh, notably Queensland and also the Rebels, where yeah. you know the, up to the Brumbies, the Brumbies caught the blow through um, through preseason as well. Yeah, yeah. So you know we're talking over ninety percent of the players now having had COVID at some of these franchises, mm. and if we look at the force, uh, we're basically talking zero. Yeah. And uh, and now, of course, some of those guys can get sick again, but they're young, fit blokes. And, uh, you know, even if they do get it a second time, it's, it's unlikely to be debilitating for the whole mm. squad. But but the force are sort of a, a ticking time bomb there, really. So mm. at some point, that's going to catch up with them and they'll end up having a game or two cancelled, you know, potentially. And, and even if they don't, or even if they do, their performance is likely to be compromised. So mm. I think we need to factor that in as a you know keep a watch on that. It's going to be it's going to be a factor, no doubt. And and look, maybe maybe the force being on the east coast and fly in, fly out to Perth to play home games. Might, maybe that actually, and staying in a bubble, maybe that will actually work to their to their benefit. Let's let's hope. Look, there's plenty coming up this weekend. It's time to take a look ahead. Rugby on the Raw. Guys, what do we want to see from this inaugural season of, of, of Super Rugby Pacific? It's a, it's a new era. Um, it's you know, new teams. It's from a trans-Tasman point of view, um, Harry, it's, it's our teams in our time zones um, playing in our city. So this is something that, that we're very much looking forward to. But what, what do we want to see? What, what do we need to see from a, a new format competition? Um, I mean, for me, <clears throat> I'm very excited to see the Drua and the Moana, but I actually have plenty of pluck for the Kiwi teams. I think Leon McDonald at the Blues has to win now. I mean, it's it's the dominant city of rugby talent. It's their time. They won the Trans-Tasman. Can they convert that into something better? They have to beat the Crusaders now. 
And then the other city uh, in Wellington, uh, Jason Holland, I think, was I think they were the worst of the Kiwi teams. Mm. Uh, they were just a wee wind. They were not a hurricane at all. They have to win more. <laughs> and um, the other thing, the the larger plot for for New Zealand to me is props and locks. Mm. Uh, the slide in the national team to me appears to be that you have an aging white lock. You have props that are not at the skill set of the Irish even. Mm. And so you're wanting some young, uh, some beef, you know. Well, we, saw, we, saw the, we saw the Wallaby stuff. scrum. We, we, saw, we saw the Reds and the Brumbies scrum yeah. both, both causing some, some issues during Trans-Tasman last year. So when, when Australian front rowers, front rowers are starting to have, uh, you know, serious dominance in games, then, then that's, a, that's a concern for New Zealand. Yeah, they always have wings. Uh, Kini Naholo for uh, the Satyrs. I think uh, we could even say Caleb Clark has his second act coming. Um, yeah. I, I would love to pronounce this name correctly, but it's a Tiko Suilolamani for the Lander for the Highlanders. It's um, pretty close. Yes, dominant, you know, big, strong wings. Jeff, what do you make of it? I thought Harry was going to say Caleb Ralph there for a minute. I thought, see, that'll be a comeback and a half. Be the second coming of his Queensland Reds comeback. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what, do you, um, what do you want to say, Jeff? Uh, well, flowing on from what you said about the uh, Australian scrums, the number one thing for me is uh, more wins from the Australian franchises. Yeah, so, definitely. You know, I think it's a little bit disappointing but necessary that the competition's been uh, compromised and split into the separate uh, nations at the start. Uh, I would have loved to have seen, you know, the mix of games. And and I don't think that does Australia any favours, you know, concentrating those games against New Zealand week after week at the end. But that's the way it is. Um, look, obviously, Australia franchise is coming off a low base. And, um, and I know it's a popular opinion amongst uh, many fans that, you know, because Super Rugby AU was such a success, uh, that Australia would be better off not playing the New Zealand franchises. But seriously, if you ask the players, the coaches, uh, everyone associated with the Wallabies, there's no doubt, you know, they're all professionals. Uh, they want to play against the best and and you have to do that. And uh, so the other side of that coin, though, is at some stage you have to stop talking about it and actually uh, get a few wins mm. on board. So um, let's hope that's the case this year. Um, it feels like uh, the five Australian franchises um, have got a bit of improvement in them. They'll they'll need a lot, yeah. Uh, but let's hope that's the case. Following on from that, Jeff, what what teams have caught your eye already? Uh, well, you know, I don't really want to put too much uh, into trials and and things like that. Um, so the Warriors, not, not, yeah, no, I'm <laughs> not going down champions. That, yeah, I'm not going down that rabbit hole, um, but. Look, I was out at the trial last week uh, with the Endura and uh, and the Rebels and fortunate enough to see those guys up close. And, you know, there's some big units in there. They look extremely well-conditioned and cohesive. Um, I was very impressed by the halfback, uh, Simi Kuravali, uh, Baden Kerr at, at 10. Um, you know, that was a good polished performance, albeit against a, a, a pretty weak uh, Rebel side, I must say. Um so, look, I'm not expecting them to win. Actually, the big news out of the Endura uh, camp uh, today was that they've got their own beer. And, I saw that. Uh, I saw that on social media. 
Yeah, so uh, isn't that fantastic? It so is. they're just rating. They've already got a whole heap of fans, and everyone's adopting them as their second team. And now they've gone and done that. Uh, so that's a genius move. Um, I tell you I what, if there's if there's anyone from the Andrua listening to the podcast, and I, and I'd expect that there would be, you know. Yeah, no, well, you couldn't get I'm a better plug I'm, cer- than that. I'm yeah. certainly not above, you know, certainly not, not above easy. sampling it and reporting back just quietly. Oh, I'm happy to, happy to mention that every week. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, <clears throat> look, uh, to be frank, though, as uh, is, is romantic as all it all is, uh, I'm not expecting to win too many matches. And, and yeah, but, mm. yeah, I don't want to talk about trials uh, apart from that. <laughs> no, and I, I made the point in my column on Tuesday that, you know, trials – Simultaneously, are giving really good indications, and they are completely meaningless because <laughs> it's yeah because both is both is true. You know, there's there's always one set of coaches that go, oh, we don't read too much into trial form, and there's another set of coaches that go, yeah, no, we're pretty happy with who we are at the moment. And you know, you you can't read too much into it. You can't read too much into combinations that, that go out there. But but it is interesting because I think there has been some interesting uh, things from from the way the Endurers come together. I think the Force have shown a little bit of form. I, I think um, the Waratahs are certainly going to be a better team and we don't need form uh, trial form to tell us that. So conversely, Harry, over in New Zealand, it's been a little bit curious. The Crusaders are a little bit off, but they often start slow, so that's not surprising. Um, and, you know, maybe there's still a few concerns around the Hurricanes. Yeah, we, we talk in sports a lot about false dawns. Maybe we should say false dusk for uh, Crusaders. They just mm. will they'll bring it together. They got Pablo, Pablo Matera. Yes, who I've I've, I've got a yeah. we, we can, your podcast listeners can't see the fact that I'm wearing a Hagawadas T-shirt right now. It's it's obviously in in tribute oh. to Pablo Matera, who is going to be a fantastic pickup, isn't he? Yeah, it's almost yeah too much wealth, um, but. You know, this idea of having a beer and adding this to the competition, this is where Waratahs could actually win, maybe, if they could have a beer competition. I actually think someone like Angus Bell seems like someone who could have a very nice IPA. His name's <laughs> <laughs> Angus, Angus Bell Pale Ale. And so, Darren Cole could sing karaoke with everyone while they're having a little bit of ale. Are we talking boat races at halftime? Yeah. <laughs> Good old rugby tradition. So, so what are we what are we looking for then in round one? What do we what do we want to see this weekend? I mean, I'll call the first upset Drua. The oh, the Waratahs. Upset. Yes, righto. righto. I have as much faith in the Waratahs as you have in the Blues. <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't even need to respond to that. I think my. I just. I can't get the Blues right. That's that's my biggest concern. I've never. I've never been able to read them. They, they just don't, they don't do it for me. I'm eternally disappointed. So my expectations are low and therefore they rarely meet them. So, you know, prove me wrong, please. Prove me wrong. Jeff, what are you looking for this weekend? Uh, I am looking, well, I'm looking forward to seeing some rugby. That's, uh, that's the main thing. Um, you know, the cohesion's not likely to be there. So, you know, instead of that, the best we can hope for is really competitive games, uh, willing, hard, guys playing like it's life or death right from day one. And uh, and if we get that, whether it's win or lose, fans will be happy, I'm sure. Well, they won't be, but they'll say they'll rationalise it later uh, if they're losers. Um, 
One thing I want to look for, uh, we heard from the referees today about how they'll be focused on keeping the game moving. Mm. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing how that plays out. TMO interruptions kept to uh, a bare minimum. So if that happens, that'll be a win for the game. Look forward to and, that being uh, forgotten by round three. Yeah, well, you never know. They might pull out the, you know, the halfback's crooked feet again. By then, <laughs> but, uh, uh, everything's everything's 2016 again. Yeah, we'll see how we go. Yeah, there's a lengthy PowerPoint presentation that I've got to try and get my head through, but 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 I'm actually really glad that, that they've gone to that sort of detail. So so it's, it's oh look, it's full credit, uh, full credit there to the referees um, putting that out for the media and obviously yeah. for the teams. And there is absolutely no. Uh, let me make this point. There's no uh, room at all for confusion amongst the players and the mm. coaches about how the interpretations will be at the breakdown and offside and yeah. everything like that. But let me make the point. There's absolutely no excuse for commentators on TV not knowing what the laws are. And, you know, fans deserve better. They deserve commentators on TV who know what the laws are and the refs have done a great job telling us. And on and on radio too. I'll 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 throw my uh, my colleagues into the into the mix there as well. Jeff, look, thanks very much for joining us on on the first episode of the, of the Royal Rugby Podcast. You can follow Jeff on Twitter at Alanthus, uh, and you can obviously catch the wrap uh, every every Monday on the Royal. Mate, thanks very much for joining us. It's been absolutely fantastic. Thanks for thanks for coming on. Cheers, oh, no, Jeff. My, uh, my pleasure, Definitely. guys. And the uh, the time just flew. And um, yeah, look. Loved every minute and uh, wishing, wishing you guys all the best with the podcast. Thanks, Jeff. The Roar. So no Six Nations this weekend, Harry. Um, six uh, Super Rugby Pacific kicks off with the New South Wales Waratahs hosting the Fijian Indrua at Combank Stadium in Sydney's West. Um, Saturday, we've got three games kicking off with the Chiefs playing the Highlanders down in Queenstown. Uh, and the round is completed on Sunday in Canberra with the Brumbies hosting the Western Force. But we'll finish up with something, mate, that I've been waiting several weeks for. What is the pearl of rugby wisdom that you want to leave us with on this first ever episode of the Raw Rugby Podcast? Uh, I went through so many things, Brett. I was, uh, well, first of all, I should tell the audience that for a long time I've conceived of you as Greg Laidlaw, the <laughs> retired. Scottish international captain, um, champion drinker, um, mm. very good kicker. I just have always imagined that your kicking action, if it were uh, like your golf swing, mm. would be very much like Laylaw's economical, compact. Um, and so Const for it, constantly back tweaked. I, I, I want to say, I actually believe you are Laidlaw. I, mm. It's not a, a joke here. I actually believe you are. And I've plotted where he is and you are, and it's never the same place. It's always <laughs> very interesting. So I've seen through you. No, I, I was thinking about different things. I mean, you know, the Safa rugby brain is very simple, you know. So we're all about smashes. You see this URC has devolved into a series of derbies and derbies and derbies and derbies because of the COVID. But also when you have derbies between South Africans, it's just like, you know, come what may, we will die for South Africa. And you're like, can we live too? But, um, <laughs> you know, and and we, we are going to touch on the, UR, the URC in the coming weeks, I should, yeah. I should say, too. We so, definitely want to get into that. A South African speech, a captain in a, in a huddle is like, a, I will break my arm, I will break my leg, but I will not let him pass, eh? 
And, uh, and then it's sort of devolved. Second stage is I will break uh, my brain. I will break my face. And then the final one is I will break your face. I will break your brain. And usually it's, you know, to the ref. So we have to do something to change this. But taking that as my jumping off point uh, and not devolving into, into South African rugby too much, I was looking at um, sort of a, a metric, a mm. unit of measure, which is a laid law. What's a laid yeah. law? A laid law is going to be defined as from time to time, we'll encounter a big beast who's running um, a muck in the field. So you have Taniela Tupo, the, the, the Tongan Thor. Mm-hmm. What a scary guy. 21 mm. stone, five foot eight for our British listeners, um, running down steam house, a brick house. What I want to know is how many of you, how many of you would it take to legally stop him in open field and how, and how you can do it? How many, how many of me in my mid to late forties or how many of me in at your Greg at your prime. absolute peak, rippling, yeah, four pack, whatever you got, yeah. It's actually not much difference between those two, if we're honest. Um, look, it's a good question, but my answer for you is fourteen, and let me rationalise it for you. There'll be four of us, including the actual me, just coming in late to finish the job and just sort of make sure the rest of the defensive line is right. You know, come on, like a good scrum half, and then the other ten, they're going to be the sacrificial. Speed humps, effectively. Some will go low and then we'll just go progressively higher till we go under the nipple line because that's legal now. And we're just going to smash him in numbers, obviously. So 14 is the answer. I find that difficult to believe. I was actually thinking it was 57. <laughs> <laughs> no, you've, you're, under, you're underestimating. So, so, okay, we're starting off with a, that, that, that Taniela Tupo is a 14-laid law runner yep. carrier. Yep. Yeah, yep. I like that. Yep. <laughs> that might be the cops. There you go. There you go. So that's the benchmark. That's the benchmark. And so there we have it. It's the first episode of the Raw Rugby Podcast done ahead of a big weekend of rugby here in the Southern Hemisphere. Thanks so much for listening. A huge thanks to Jeff Parks for being with us on episode one. A huge thanks as well to Tony Harper, the editor of the Raw, for taking this up, this podcast idea and running with it, and more importantly, for backing us to try and make a success of it. Uh, we'll be back next week to wrap up the first weekend of Super Rugby Pacific and to cast an eye elsewhere uh, in the rugby world with a new guest to help us get through all the big issues in our great game. You can find Harry and I on Twitter as well. Um, Harry's at Harry Baldy Jones. Uh, I'm at BMC Sport. Most importantly, don't forget to subscribe to the show uh, wherever you do get your podcasts so that next week's episode pops up for you as it goes live. It's the Raw Rugby Podcast with me, Brett McKay, and Harry Jones every week on the raw.com.au, Australia's biggest sporting debate, the home of all your favourite rugby analysis and opinions and wherever you get your podcasts. Come play with us.